0: Well, if I had one message that I could preach over and over and over, it would probably be the one I'm going to speak on over the next two weeks as we wrap up our Roots series, if you will. Because it talks about the fullness of God. And if I reflect back over the last Now 35 years of being a believer. Obviously, the greatest revelation is coming to know Christ as my Savior. There's no question about that. If that doesn't happen, nothing else happens. If that doesn't happen, then other things don't open up. But once I stepped across that line, and once I began to walk that out, and once I began to search, and I'll share a little bit of that about that towards the end today, when I began to walk this out and realize that the whole purpose of all this, not only was to be restored back to God, but it was to live into the fullness of what He had for me in the first place. And it was a shock to me. So if I could talk about one subject... If I had my license plate in here today, or I had my, I had it, I actually had some on my desk in there, but living life to the max, and those of you who know me and know my truck, you see it on the back of my truck, the max, my personalized license plate. Again, most of you know that is not because I think I'm the max, or I'm the max when you used to say, if you drink and drive, you expect the max. It wasn't me going to show up at your house, okay? It wasn't that. It was John 10.10. 10. 10. That the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That I have come that you may have life and live it to the full, live in life to the max. That's our privilege. That's our invitation. Colossians 2, 6-7. So then, just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live our, your lives in Him rooted in and built up in him. Continue in this. This is not a one-time deal. This is continue in this. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Ephesians three sixteen through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with to the measure of all the fullness of God. And what, that, that passage, that, that last part of that passage in Ephesians, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, it means for you to abound in it. I mean, literally that picture, I don't know if you know what, but it's like, I, just this, I, I see this party almost, that you're abounding in all these things, to live within the abundance of what God has for you. But there's a challenge. And the challenge, and I'm going to go back a few weeks because we kind of, I, I didn't skip coming back to it, but I kind of added a couple of weeks in there around Memorial and, and Mother's Day, and so there's some things we kind of jumped around a little bit. But I want to make sure that what I'm going to talk to you today and the next week is not disconnected from where I believe the big challenge for all of us is, and it is one, we're born with a nature that is bent away from God. I mean, the edemic nature that we are born with is so resistant to what we're going to be talking about. So resistant that I think often churches don't even talk about what we're going to talk about. I think I shared it last week, maybe not. But I've heard this statement. I think it may have been Monty Williams of our Phoenix Suns. Yay, we're to the second round, right? That's all I got out of, hey, we're to the second round, right? Woo. Yeah. And I think his statement was not he he took it from somewhere else. Everything that you desire in life is on the other side of hard. (laughs) Everything you desire in life is on the other side of hard. But we have a culture who doesn't want to work through hard. Everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. And you've heard me say here often in the last few months, because I heard this on, You listen to the radio, I I recommend listening to the radio, I listen to it. You get good stuff, the preaching stuff. But I heard another guy say, uh, an athlete say, his daddy told him, he said, choose your heart and shut your mouth. So everything you want in life is on the other side of hard. Choose your hard and quit complaining and quit whining and let's go. So what I'm going to talk to you about is I'm not going to try to teach you that it's easy. I'm not going to try to share with you scripture that says, oh, if you'll just apply a few of these things, it's going to be hard, but that's Okay. Because the very nature you're born with is bent away from this. Where if this is following God with all your heart, your nature you're born with is here, and you're trying to bring it to here. So we shared with you a few weeks ago, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and verse 3, that kind of was our launching point of our natural carnal spiritual man and just to remind you that we are not even as i use and i'll show you today the five c's don't put that up right now but as i'll talk about that the last thing we're trying to do here today is is do what many religions and many cultures have done around the world and that is a caste system where you're better than them, you're the one percenters, you're the whatever middle class, you're the poor, you're the whatever that is. That is not what we do in the church. Matter of fact, as we talked about on in Pentecost, that was all leveled out. Men and women, poor and rich, Gentile and Jew, we're all come to this thing at the same place. So there's no caste system. But, but what Paul does in this passage of Scripture, though, he said there in the spiritual realm there is a clear distinction though of three different groups but the reality is they're not determined by social financial intellectual they're classified by the ability to receive spiritual truth you can be the poorest of the poor and be at the highest, if you will, category in what Paul's talking about. You can be the richest of the rich and miss the whole thing, the smartest of the smart, because what we're talking about seems foolish to the natural man. So let me read Paul's words here out of 1 Corinthians 2 and 3. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person, in other words, the natural, as the King James would say, without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, let me stop right here. we, well, let, 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 I'll finish reading. We'll come back to it. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. Again, he's talking to believers here. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere Humans, are you not acting like, basically saying, like you're not saved, like you don't know Christ? I think one of the biggest revelations to me when I came to Christ as my Savior was that I did not realize what I did not see until I had the eyes to see what I could not see. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, when we started this church here, one of the things I kept repeating over and over when we came over here and we you know, were doing all the work we were doing, all that I didn't know what I didn't know till I found out I didn't know it, and that was, was repeated over and over and over because it's just things you didn't know till you got in the middle of it. But especially in the spiritual realm, you can talk to people about it, you can encourage them, you can ask them even to read scripture. But it had not come off the page. I remember reading Lee Stro- here in Lee Strobel years ago, Those who The Case for Christ, those of you got some different books that many of you know about. But as a lawyer and an atheist, his wife became a Christian at Willow Creek, and then he started attending. He said he would go to church with her, and he was an investigative reporter from a legal standpoint, so he did all the investigation. Uh, he, he thought, well, I'm just going to prove that this is wrong. So he went about that, and you can get the book. It's a great book. But he said, one of the things I remember about, I think I, I heard him speak a few times, but I think one of the things I think is probably hearing him speak, maybe before maybe I've read, but it, I know one time he said, he said, you know, I'd go to church with my wife, and I would hear them sing Amazing Grace and just kind of go, <sighs> nice. He said, then I gave my life to Christ, and every time I hear that song, I can't listen to it without bawling, without weeping. That's what happens when the Spirit begins to awaken you, not just that, but you see things different, you love people differently, you begin to move differently, but the natural man doesn't... Now, Natural people who do not know Christ can do nice things and great things and compassionate things. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But there is an anointing that goes with. It's more than feeding somebody's belly, as Brother Paul would do in North Little Rock. They're not just feeding somebody's belly. They're feeding somebody's soul. By that handshake and that hand on their back and that hug and that that time that they take, and there's an anointing on their life that is, 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 is just like a conduit to someone that woos them, that draws them because they're different than just a sandwich, a sandwich, they're gonna be hungry later. But when you bring that sandwich in the name of Christ with an anointing on your life, it's a different sandwich. It's a different kind of sandwich. All kinds of organizations can build houses. There's all kinds, the government can do a lot of things that the church probably should be doing. But the government can't change a man's heart, no matter what laws you put in place. Are oh, you can keep people between the ditches, okay. We all kind of agree on some things. That's awesome that we don't, but you can't change a man's heart. You can put him in prison because of something, but you can't change his heart from never wanting to commit murder again. Something happens in the supernatural that cannot happen in the natural. So the natural man... Sure, we're influenced by laws which help us. There's a lot of things I'm so glad that we have in place. But to me, most of it's based on the fact that of, of Christianity helps us kind of form our laws of our land and some things along that line. But thank goodness we agree that a red light, everybody agrees that red is red. Not everybody, your red is my green. So Now, I realize yellow may mean something different. It's speed up or stop. I get that one. Okay, it depends on who you are. Some of you are looking at your spouses at this point. Okay, I get that. But at least red is red and green is green. And we've got things in how you're raised, and even you could have been from a person who was morally good, but just wasn't wasn't spiritual. So there's all kinds of things that bring us along. Your personality. There's a lot of things that that may... A lot of times I say, you know, when some people uh, are born... They're born with a rebellion against God, but some people get like a double portion. They may be one of your children. <laughs> but then the Spirit goes before and begins to woo, begins to draw. Begins to light. You begin to see things that you didn't see. You're not a Christian at this point, but you do begin to see things that you didn't see before. You begin to sense things. This wooing, we call it prevenient grace, or the grace that goes before salvation. As Jesus says to Nicodemus, there comes a point except a man be born again. He cannot understand the kingdom of God. Cannot. No matter how studied you are, Nicodemus, no matter how much training you've had, no matter how much debating, and what a position you've been put in, Nicodemus, no matter what, unless you're born again, unless you've been born into the Spirit, unless the Spirit is reigning in your life, you cannot understand what I'm talking about. And you will not see the kingdom of God. I, and, of course, at this point, they don't even know he's going to leave someday. But, but the Spirit is going to have to live in you. Matter of fact, when on, on Pentecost, when he was telling the disciples, they, they thought, man, Jesus, we need you here. We don't want you to leave. We don't want you to. or Not Pentecost, but the ascension. But we don't need you. To, we, we want you. But, Jesus, they didn't understand. Jesus, guys, your dream's not big enough. Unless I leave, I can't send the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, you're going to be able to do things I could never do before. If I stay, we're in trouble and you think how could we be in trouble if Jesus is with us physically he said by me staying will limit you I'm promising you one that will come and will convict and comfort and teach and direct and won't be limited by miles so that's why in the Places where Jeff and Paige were just these last week. It's not limited. It's it's not limited by access necessarily. It's not limited by the best internet. It's not limited by the most finances. It's not limited by... Because the Spirit. The confidence you have wherever you go. That God's already gone before you because the Spirit. You're not there to carry the Spirit. You're not there to go, well, we brought God to you. No, God's already there. You're just introducing them to the God they never really knew about. That's all you're doing. He was already there. So, in the spiritual realm, I don't think we work hard enough in the spiritual realm. I don't think we think enough in the spiritual realm. But then we're born again. And the salvation that we're talking about is realized through the radical restart as if since a sense brand new baby. And you can go back and listen to some of the message over the last many weeks if you want to get caught up on that. And I won't spend more time Maybe spend more time than I needed to on it today. But I want to make sure that you know that our launching over these next two weeks, these Sundays, today and next Sunday, we've got to know where we are, location-wise. Here's the problem with the carnal. I don't know if we have the slide of the, I don't know if we have all three of them up there, the natural, the carnal, the spiritual. But as you see that, and I'm not sure where I got this diagram. I think maybe in Campus for Christ. Uh, first person I ever saw you is Dr. Bill Birch, but I think it may be Campus for Christ that uses this. But I just appreciate because I'm a very how many are very visual. I'm very visual. I, I read something where if you hear something, this is kind of dangerous, right? As a pastor, that three days later you you remember maybe seven to ten percent of it. That's in a good day. <laughs> okay, maybe. But if you see it, you'll remember sixty-five percent of it three days later. Well, at least we're just trying, okay? We're trying, but but the natural man self is on the throne, the, 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 the demic nature, the self-centered nature that we are born with. Then we then Christ comes into our life. We're still worldly, and, and we know in Romans 12:1 or twelve, two, no longer conform to the pattern of this world. We'll talk more about that next week. Because there has to be a rethinking, a, rechar- a, a reprogramming. But Christ is in our life, but the problem is Christ is in our life, but we're, our self centered self is still on the throne. As we've talked about on the Barna slide, I mean, the Barna survey and the slide that we've used over the years, it's where people get stuck, right? Number six. Actually, number five. And so many of us get stuck, whether by choice or by circumstance, and we just make ourselves busy. And when we talk about our vision statement here at Renovation, our hope and prayer is that there's transformation happening. And when people are stuck, The question is, do they want to be unstuck? The reason why I'm here at Renovation, I said it last week, the vision God gave us, Jan and I, as we came over here and we interviewed with this board in 2012, was the vision that was in our hearts did not have an address. And one of the challenges, I think, for me as a pastor, And I guess as a confession, let's go to the 5C slide. Is it where I want to spend most of my my time and effort is on these two C's over here? Honestly, I'll tell you, that's the reason why I believe I was called over here. Where am I supposed to be the rest of my life? Is these two. Of course, people got to come to Christ and and all that. And I'm all for that. And we want to see people come to Christ. And man, life, this never happens. If that doesn't happen, I get all that. But my point is this, though. I believe here is where people, I believe when you start reaching here, this is where the growth exponentially happens. When you begin to make some decisions. But if you're capped or you're stopped and you're saved and you're the world, and when I say worldly, or you feel like you're just stuck, you can stay stuck for decades. And it become normal because you don't know that many other people that are not stuck. So then why do we see this meandering back towards the middle instead of this line of going, man, we're just going to keep going? I am not looking back there, man. I, I, I am, I'm wanting jet fuel in this thing. I'm wanting to go. Why do I get stuck on a wrong? Why do I get stuck here? Uh, There's various reasons, but part of it is I want to be in a community that that helps me work through that. I want to be in a community of people that ask those hard questions. Why am I capped? How do we get help if we're capped? That keeps us from moving forward. Because what happens over here if we're not careful, careful is, especially in that middle sea, we stay dependent on other people. We hope, we hope and we hope there's more spiritual people in our church because we're just either not going to put the effort in or we don't know how to get there. We hope our pastor is. We hope our leadership is. We hope my spouse is. And year after year, we stay there. We live there in the center of our emotions. There's so many things that and I catch myself at times. I'm a very emotional. Many of you know me well enough, know that I'm a very emotional person. I'm very, whether I'm watching sports and uh, whatever, and uh, worship. But I'm, I'm very emotional uh, when I'm working by myself. I talk to myself a lot. And again, many of you do that. I know you do. Uh, and But I hope and pray I don't live my spiritual life in this emotional roller coaster cuz the great news about what I want to share with you if I could just camp on it back to the five Cs is the convicted and the compelled is there is a way there is a difference it's called the spiritual man go back to the other slide and the spiritual person, spiritual man or spiritual woman, and if I had the diagram, I don't have it here, but if I had that, if there was a transition between the carnal and the spiritual, it would probably be Romans 7, where Paul says, I desire to do God's law. I, do, I hunger for God's law. I want God's law to work in me. I want it to, I want to live into it. The problem is, many of us, not many of us. All of us are born not wanting to do that. And when that line, that that light goes on, that my desire is to live in the law, you know something's changed. The spiritual person is dying out to the self-centered self to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Dying out to the self-centered self to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, your carnal nature, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. We'll talk more about that next week. And put on the new self. Created to be like God, not to be God, to be created to be like God in true righteousness, and true holiness. The fullness, the fullness of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, sanctify you, to set you apart for God's use, to be all in. My definition of all over the years, is, and again, it's just way too long. <laughs> I'll just tell you that up front. And I'm, I, mo, again, most of you know I'm the slash king. And what I mean by that is not slashing people or tires, but a backslash, boom, boom. I'll add so many different things on there. It's like, okay, got to stop somewhere. But my definition is to love God with all means to follow him utterly, absolutely, with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and deep conviction without reservation or misunderstanding that you're all in. Meaning everybody else knows you're all in. Meaning, there's no question when you meet people, meet you, especially from the spiritual realm. There's no question of who you are and whose you are, and where you're headed. Everything you do in life is filtered through this. Years ago, Jan and I were. Uh, I've been a Christian about two years, and. When I came to Christ, I, I didn't have anybody to disciple me. I just kind of jumped in, and, and they gave me a little book, kind of a little book, but I had to do it on my own. and never. I still got it. Uh, it was given to me by the Baptist church I was in, but nobody really met with me. There was no class. There was no nothing. So I was just so hungry, and as I've told you before, I worked at Alumax or Alcoa uh, Aluminum Mill, Running, working on the on the aluminum mill, and I, they'd allow me to read my Bible uh, most of the, about forty minutes and then fifteen minutes of work and forty minutes and 15 minutes of work and forty minutes of reading and it's where the Lord had me, and it was awesome and I grew in my faith and, and my theology and but what happened was over time, I began to realize. There's got to be more than this because most people I knew were in the center circle, and I didn't know what center that center circle was at the time. I didn't know in the five Cs. I didn't know what that was. I just knew most of the people that I knew, now that I look back on it, lived there almost, I mean, except for maybe a couple of people. And I realized there's a point there. I, I, one Sunday, I went home and in and, and our little house there, and I sat out on the patio, and I said, Lord, I'm just looking around. These people for the most part, don't look much different than when I, before I was saved. For the most part, they attend church regularly. I think they probably, some of them give. I was shocked later to find out most people don't do that either. But I just didn't know it at the time. I said, if this is all there is, back to what I said a few weeks ago, if all this is about me not going to hell and getting to heaven, I can see where my line would be here. But I found out as time went on, this is an invitation to an unbelievable life. This is an invitation to an adventurous life. It was an invitation. That's the reason why I want my line to go there. But I said to the Lord, and that's the reason, kind of a turning point for me was, I was sitting out on my patio and I said, Lord, if this is all there is, if I've got my ticket punched, I'm gonna take most of my Sundays back and my 10% since I've already got my ticket punch, if this is all there is to it. But if there's more, I want more. And that started my journey of going from church to church, from charismatic churches to different things and And I ended up in the Nazarene church, ultimately hearing, not only with friends, became our best friends who, at our age, shocked me, that talked about following Christ. Everything was filtered through it. It blew me away that their whole life was about this. Not weird, not, you know, radical. It was just, that's what they did. When they made decisions, it was filtered through this. And I began to, that, that drew me in, and I was interested, in, and ultimately I, I, was, I heard our pastor teach on the concept, it was a new concept to me, of entire sanctification, of holy, putting everything on the line, coming to the altar and consecrating everything about my life, all keys on the table, everything that I have is on them, it's in the center of the table, and I push it to the middle, and I, I, I push it in to the center, and I take my hands off. I had never heard that before. I had been asked and been prayed over to get, receive certain gifts because if I received that gift, I'd be filled with the Spirit. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is that wasn't where I was. And as at one night I was being prayed over like that. And, I, and, and the Holy Spirit, I believe, with not, not out loud, but maybe just about as close or louder, said to me, quit seeking the gift, but seek the giver. everything I have this concept of entire sanctification was just a total foreign thing to me until I figured out it's in scripture (laughs) you mean it was in there it is God's will that you be sanctified It is God's will that you set your life apart, every bit of it, all in. Every capability you have, from your gifts and your graces to your finances to your time to your relationships, all of it, all in, all to the middle of the table, your keys, you take them out of your pocket and you push them in. Went down one Sunday. at an altar at Richmond and Robinson Road at the First Church of the Nazarene in Texarkana and gave my life. I'd already given my life to the Lord, I thought. But I gave him all of it the best I understood it. I believe my spiritual growth, even though I thought I had grown a lot then, it grew exponentially from that point on. Because everything was on the table. The problem with putting everything on the table sometimes is laying things on the altar that are still a living sacrifice, as Romans 12.1 talks about. It can get back up off the altar. This is a daily This isn't even an hourly sometimes. Going, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So next week, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive into understanding entire sanctification. I wanted you to know how and what, how I got there and what and the Why? God's desire for you is so far beyond what you are capable of understanding. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to what? His power at work in you. I know we could walk through today and I could feel it in my spirit a little bit of the heaviness of the first part of this message is that we don't really want to talk about those things. If we were going back to the mirror series that we did way back, we don't like to look at that. Because in many ways in our mind, Staying right where we are is easier. It's just easier. But when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he split the Red Sea and they walked through. When they went into the promised land, they had to put their foot in the water first before he parted it. Can you trust him? Can you trust him with everything pushed to the middle of the table? I am a witness that you can. But I also hope I'm a messenger that encourages you. As we go through this week, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to, I'm going to ask Josiah and him to come on down as we close in communion. But for some of you, this whole thought about hind entire sanctification or the spiritual man, you want to know, as we go back, and we've talked about, I think I read that, I didn't read it today, but the definition of, of roots The basic cause or source or origin of something to render firm, to fix, establish, cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded, to be thoroughly grounded, I think entire sanctification and giving our all to God is that thing, ultimately. I most likely didn't do as good a job as I wished I could to share with you how serious I am about this one thing. I could share with you how I believe living in conviction and living compelled is what we're called to do. I wish I could express that to you in a way. I don't do a very good job with that. So I have to leave that to the Spirit. To let that rumble around in your mind and your hearts. But I am convinced of it. And I am convicted of it. And I am compelled by that God wants you to live into the fullness, the abundant. As Craig Rochelle says, your mind can't comprehend what God is capable of doing through you. Christ came, died on the cross, rose again. All those had to happen. By one man's sin, we were all cursed. By one man's death and resurrection, we're all saved. But you choose. I think we would all be disappointed someday. And two things. When we get to heaven, if there's disappointment in heaven, I'm not even sure there is, but if there was. One would be for God to say to us, oh, I had so much more. Man, I had so much more. And for us to look at him as we go into communion, to realize in that moment, as we look Jesus face to face, and to say, I wish I had given you more. I just wish I had given you more. help us today to understand what that means. The roots, the cause is Jesus. The stability is the spirit living in us to walk this out. If you've got your elements there, One of the signs, obviously, if it's the bread, it's the body, and the juice of the wine is the blood. But one of the signs, I think, for me as I think about that evening, as I reflect back on it, not only what Christ has done in my life from saving me, inspiring me, in filling me was setting the example by washing the feet of the disciples the humbling and I think as you walk this out this following of Christ the more willing you are to do for the least of these is a great sign but on the night he was betrayed Jesus took the bread, and he took the cup. So, Lord, as we come now to partake of both of these, Lord, what you would say as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of you and, Lord, what you have done in our lives. I think of one of the scriptures we repeated during this series, overflowing with thankfulness. So Lord, we take the bread now as we remember to our soul's comfort. Take it in. In The same way, took the cup. This is my blood. This is This shed for you. Take now and drink. To your soul's comfort. Lord, I come before you today, simply is trying to be your messenger. something that is heavy but so liberating (laughs) and Lord I pray over this week that your people who are either in this room or across these miles across the country who are listening in that this thought of being all everything on the table the keys drop there to every room you'd be using this to prepare our hearts if people are already there that's awesome Lord and Lord they continue to lean into that but Lord I pray that those that this maybe is a new concept that your spirit would not let it rest on some back shelf or back burner but on front burner this week Lord, it's like anything else when we follow after you sometimes we just commit without details but we just trust you so Lord we come today in that we love you and again it's been prayed here already today Lord so many of our folks appointments this week and from finances to health and just even knowing that one of our dear sisters in the district lost her husband yesterday that we many of us know well Not promised, but Lord, we just want to be thankful each day for the opportunity to love you more and to love others like you would. And we give thanks for that today, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Just how you want to lead us out of here?